From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. This time, we'll hear about a man who achieved a huge goal and then realized he had even more purpose to fulfill. My name is Damon Bell Holter, and my hot kill name, my hide name is Nung Hashlong Stungs, which means big enough to hold two souls. And I was given that name by my uh, great uncle Chuck, Charles Nat Kong. I grew up in a small village called Heidelberg, also referred to as Hichtahundlai. That's the traditional name, and Heidelberg is a small rural community on the southernest tip of southeast Alaska. Hunting, fishing, and practicing culture are one of the main things that I would express about Heidelberg and what what's kind of sums up the community. Growing up in the community, there's, there's a lot of um, alcoholism and drug abuse, but again, at the same time, alcohol and these different drugs were introduced to us by colonization, by Europeans, by these ships who came to visit our community. So these circumstances and these environments weren't created by accident, they were created by design. And the design was for us to kill each other off, for us to kill ourselves off, and it, it worked for a very long time. Myself, you know, I grew up in a, a household where uh, both of my parents were both survivors of sexual abuse and violence. All of my great uncles went to residential school. The mission statement of residential school was kill the Indian, save the man. And that's two generations from me. And I'm still dealing with the effects of that. I'm half black and I, I was different and I was one of three half black kids growing up in my community, 300 people. So things weren't easy for me. A lot of the people who are BIA and who patrol these reservations gave the slaves these jobs as basically um, Indian police. So that was where they divided and conquered. So there's a lot of difficult realities for black and indigenous kids growing up on the reservation, growing up in indigenous communities. So myself, uh, from the time I was kid, a kid, every single day I was called the N-word for the most part. A majority of my young life was in survival mode. I wasn't safe going to school in the sense of I knew I was going to be made fun of or I knew I was going to be bullied. I wasn't safe when I went home because I knew that I was going to have to be the protector of my siblings. So seventh grade that Christmas, I went down to Seattle with my family, my dad, my stepfather, um, I call him my father because he was in my life since I was two. He brought me to two basketball games. He brought me to the Seattle Supersonics playing the Raptors. And then he brought me to the Supersonics playing the 76ers. So I got to see Vince Carter and Allen Iverson in person. And my dad said that that day, he just kind of saw a look on my face in a sense. I mean, as a kid, you're just like, man, this is cool. These people get so much attention. They get to go out there. It just looks like so much fun. 
I get back from this trip and I'm in front of my class. And again, my classroom is a class of 12 kids, 15, 12, 14 kids. And I said that I'm gonna play college basketball. I said, I'm gonna play professional basketball. And I said, I'm gonna be on TV someday. And my classroom of 12 proceeded to laugh at me and, and think it wasn't possible. I just internalized all of that laughter. And from that day moving forward, anybody and anyone who would listen, I would tell them I'm gonna be on TV someday. Damon had a PE teacher who had a little college basketball experience. He literally would just like, we do mic and drill every day. My eighth grade year, we started working on my footwork. I don't know how to get there. I just know I have to like, I have to get way better. I went from 5'10", 230 to about 6'2", 175, 180. And he made it. Damon was recruited to play college ball and then professional basketball. He traveled all over the world. He had a son, Isaiah. But even though he'd done everything he told his seventh grade class he would, even though he'd accomplished bigger goals than most people do in a lifetime, he was still searching for a larger purpose. I guess it started back in, in high school. My, my senior quote was, if I'm remembered for is being a good basketball player, I've done nothing in my life. That was a quote by Isaiah Thomas. And I didn't even know what the heck I wanted to do. After he quit playing professional basketball, Damon knew it was time to do some reflecting. I tried to go see a therapist. I saw one white therapist and two white therapists, and I saw that they couldn't help me with my trauma. They couldn't support me the way I needed to be supported because they have no idea what it's like to be a man of color. They have no idea what it's like to experience racism. They have no idea to what it's like to, to inherit this intergenerational trauma. As time went on, I, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna start creating men's circles because like, I don't know what else to do. I am gonna start creating men's circles, not so I could teach men how to be men, but so that I could have space with men and we could start talking about these things and start learning how we're gonna unpack all this trauma and how we're gonna start unpacking all these things. I started specifically advocating for men because there's very few resources or people out there advocating for men. If you hear masculinity, men haven't had an opportunity to clearly try to define what masculinity is for a, a very long time. Specifically men of color because from first contact, like I said with the residential schools and how men were treated specifically like African slaves when they were brought over on these on these ships and everything, they were specifically broken. They were emasculated, both African men and indigenous men because we were very big, we were very powerful. And there were so many tactics that were done to make sure that we, th we thought less of ourselves. So once I saw all these things for men specifically, as far as prison population, as far as not having jobs, as far as um, the mental health issues and, and so many people who are suffering in silence, I realized, you know, that, okay, I know my role in protecting our communities because if we could heal men, we solve domestic violence problems. 
that's 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 where we're creating better uncles that's where we're creating better fathers and and that's where you know i i kind of know my purpose is i i know that i need to be a part of this type of of work Damon got a job as the director of outreach for an Alaska corporation, working with kids and communities. Then the pandemic hit, and he lost his job. Suddenly, with a lot more time, Damon took up a new hobby, bicycling. He realized this could be a way to fulfill his purpose. He planned a huge trip. I would say it started because I saw the impact it was having on my mental health and how helpful it was for me getting out on the bike and riding. We named it Break the Bicycle, and I said, okay, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be a fundraiser for Black and Indigenous men's mental health. The trip took a zigzag route from Seattle to Albuquerque. There was a day where we did 113 miles, and it was like 95 degrees in Wyoming one day. There was a day we were in New Mexico, and we did like 7,000 feet of climbing. There was a lot of days like that where the mental was was definitely tested. I wanted our minds to be mentally tested. I wanted our bodies to be tested, obviously. You're on your bike and it's just like life. You know, we're all on this bike and either you're going to you're going to get off your bike and walk to the top. It's not easy. It's difficult. Or you're gonna get off your bike and go to the bottom, go back to the bottom where you started, just like in life. Oh, you're gonna put your head down and you're gonna push through that discomfort. When you're on that bike, you could only rely on yourself. That's it. <laughs> so I think that would be kind of is that there's a couple of days like that where you're on the bike and you're like, what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> and, uh, and you know, ultimately you're able to push through your threshold. Our storyteller was Damon Bell Holter. After the bike trip, now he's a community developer. He runs an LLC called Klatska, which means strength of mind. And he's got lots of projects going on. You can find out more when you follow us on social media at Human Nature Pod. I'm Erin Jones. Just a reminder that Human Nature is on a three-week schedule now, so we'll see you next on March 3rd. I produced this episode with help from Anna Rader, who is our digital producer. Micah Schweitzer is and has been our executive producer for all these years. We're very sad. This is his last episode with us, but we're wishing him well on his new adventure. Hey, this is Micah. I've had so much fun working on this show over the years. And in fact, it's partly what led to my new job. I'm going to be working in science communications for a lab focused on ecosystem restoration. So now I'm looking forward to becoming one of Human Nature's many listeners, along with you. The theme song is by Kata Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media.